folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and joining me from Pro Football Focus is Anthony Tresh. What's up, Anthony? Not much. How you doing, man? I am doing okay. I mean, it was a blessed weekend uh, after Vic Fangio forgot the timeouts exist to end Monday Night Football. Like, I couldn't have asked for anything more. For football to be fully back, we had one national TV game that ended on an offensive pass interference that was bogus. We had another national TV game end where Vic Fangio had no idea how to operate a time clock. It's like, yes, we are fully 100% back, man. It was a good weekend. Yeah, exactly. And in that first Thursday night game, I mean, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little underwhelmed with the, how everything panned out. But I mean, the rest of the week, they took care of that because I mean, every single game was great. Yeah, there were a lot of really good games. And the thing I want to do here is go through some of your observations that you wrote for Pro Football Focus. You had a huge breakdown. Uh, let me just scroll up and get the title. Uh, PFF Team of the Week, Key Takeaways, Weekly Awards. You wrote a ton of words, and a lot of them actually apply to the Minnesota Vikings because you started by writing about Aaron Rodgers smoking the Vikings. So I want to get your, your opinion here because you also – added that it says a lot about the Vikings cornerbacks. Of course, I agree, but I, I want to get your opinion on whether Rodgers is just not washed or it was the Vikings defense that right now has a lot of issues. I think it was a little bit of both. And I thought, I think the biggest takeaway from that was the start of the game and how quickly Matt LaFleur on the scripted plays, they wanted to get the ball out of Rodgers' hands and they were just short dump off passes the entire time. And it wasn't really until, you know, late in that first half until we finally saw, started to see, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And they really avoided – I mean, I think our biggest criticism of Aaron Rodgers and people saying he's washed is just because he was a little inaccurate towards the intermediate depth. In recent years, that's, those were the easy throws he used to be able to make 
you know, no, no problem at all. The best in the NFL. And that kind of dipped off, but they have completely avoided that area. And then they really got the ball out quickly. Like I said, with an Aaron Rodgers, man, he, he can make some magical plays off structure. And that's exactly what you saw. And, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a bad game for Cameron Dancer to be making his debut in. You know, you kind of get thrown to the wolves there. But, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Aaron Rodgers is, I think, better than a lot of people are, are making him out to be. And then the Vikings cornerback situation, is it's one of the worst in the NFL. I, I really did find it interesting just, you know, being there and, and watching them start out with their scripted plays of so many short passes because knowing who was on the defensive line, you had Yannick Ngakwe, who's barely practiced, Jaleel Johnson, who is a career backup, Shamar Stefan, who's usually at his best in a situational role, and Afadi Adenabo, who was twice cut by this team and then was a situational rusher last year, and yet it still seemed like Green Bay was either concerned with the rush or maybe just trying to get Aaron Rodgers in rhythm, or it's also possible that they saw something in the Vikings the way that they played them last year and thought that they could get some advantages there. But really, when the corners play like that, Anthony, everything works. Um, so I, I agree that it was kind of 50-50 because even though Dantzler got smoked on the touchdown pass at the end of the half, it's also – Aaron Rodgers making an unbelievable throw at that time. It's not like on Dantzler's touchdowns he was running, you know, completely the wrong way. He was usually in at least the general vicinity, except for Rodgers was making great throws. But I think that where this is relevant is if Rodgers is going to play with a chip on his shoulder, and I'm using the little finger quotes because I – I think that Rodgers has always wanted to be good. I, I don't know. Um, but this extra little, you know, Jordan Love thing and being disrespected, if you will, in the offseason, I don't know if there's anything to that. But I do know his arm talent has not faded at all. Yeah, exactly. And for perspective, just so people know, like, how quickly he was getting the ball out, you know, on those scripted plays, his average time to throw was around 1.75 seconds. And out of every other quarterback in the NFL on those scripted plays, that was half a second quicker than any quarterback. So, I mean, so they were really trying to get the ball out there. And, you know, Cameron Dantzler, he, it could have been worse given the circumstances. It certainly could have been a lot worse. It wasn't great. He did make a few nice stops there. He did blow up a couple screens, which was, I mean, good to see for a rookie in his debut with, uh, you know, impact of the offseason and everything. But, yeah, I mean, he did, like, that throw in particular, you know, I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers there throwing the ball. I mean, you, you did about, about as good as you could. And I think there were a couple times, you know, that kind of that Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, one where, you know, his speed was a little – we were kind of shaky on that. You know, he ran a 4-6, and then it, after COVID, he did the pro day with 4-2 or whatever the heck that was. But <laughs> he, it, it definitely kind of showed up just a little bit there. So I think that's kind of one thing to be concerned about. But, I mean, at the end of the day, considering everything going on, it could have been a worse day, but it could have been a lot better for Dantzler. What is uh, your opinion on Jeff Gladney not playing at all? Um, because he was a guy that I think a lot of people were excited about, um, and he had a, a bit of a setback with his knee, and so I was kind of figuring that it was that. But Dantzler starting over him, I had expected much more of a rotation. Even leading up to the game, I was calling them like Cameron Gladney or Dantzler Gladney or whatever. Like I, I just thought that the way that they would go about it was – okay, you get this drive, you get this drive, and then we'll kind of let this thing play out. But to only play nine snaps and at the end of the game was really surprising considering the circumstances. Yeah, and, you know, that's what I thought, too. I thought it was the injury, and they just wanted to get him, you know, acclimated to it. And 
from everything I've read, they absolutely loved Cameron Dantzler at camp. The guy lit it up uh, multiple days. So I think that's kind of what, you know, kind of got him there. We might as well play the guy, you know, feed the hot hand, what we saw in camp, let the guy get back from injury. But I think it's only a matter of time before they have to put him out there just because, I mean, with Dantzler, Hill, and Mike Hughes in the slot, I mean, there was just a lot of holes. I mean, Mike Hughes in particular had the sixth lowest coverage grade in the slot this past week. Holton Hill, I mean, he had one of the lowest grades regardless of the position. So I think it's only a matter of time before he gets in there. But, yeah, I think it, I think it probably had to do with more of the injury and just because it's Cameron Dantzler in camp. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if either Hughes or Hill is actually not good because we kind of went along the lines of assuming that they were or at least that the team felt like they were because Hill was the starter in camp from the very beginning and was unchallenged in that role. And Mike Hughes is a first round pick, but neither one of these guys have a very big sample size in their careers. And neither one of them has a a thousand snaps to speak of, or I, I don't even think that Holton Hill had more than 30 targets before this year against him. And we just kind of decided after seeing him in a fill in role in 2018, Oh, he must be good. And with Hughes, I mean, it's been, little spurts and then injuries. And we've also seen him get lit up before when Amari Cooper caught 11 passes on him last year. So that might be something to watch as much as Dantzler, but all three had a very tough day against Rodgers. Now, one of the reasons was when Rodgers did need to throw down the field, he had lots of time to do so. The Vikings blitzed, the Packers had no problem with it, and so you included the Packers offensive line as having a great day, and I'll ask kind of the same question. Was it the Vikings' ineptitude on the defensive line, or in your opinion, was it the Packers' offensive line just really actually playing well? Yeah, and, you know, I kind of battled with this one just because, you know, we were talking about those quick throws, and, you know, it didn't. those kind of continued too. Um, they kind of spurred it off a little bit, but those were still there in the second half. And so you didn't really get, you know, ample opportunity to rush the passer. And so that's kind of why Minnesota, you know, was bottom three in pressures generated this past week. And But when you look at the few true pass sets that the Green Bay Packers did have, I mean, they were clean. I mean, there were very few mistakes there on the line, and that's why it really helped them get the best pass blocking grade of the week. So that's why we ended up getting them there. And so I wouldn't be too concerned with, you know, the Minnesota Vikings pass rush um, but yeah, I mean, on those few true pass sets where there was an opportunity to get after Rodgers, I mean, they, they, they just could not get by that offensive line. Yeah, I mean, one pressure for Yannick Ngakwe is not what they were hoping for, I'm sure, and I I would be concerned about it. The fact that Zimmer blitzed as much as he did, that is really unusual for him against Aaron Rodgers. A lot of times in the past, it's just, hey, let uh you know, Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter go to work. Linval Joseph used to be able to, in his prime, create some pressures by himself. The rare nose tackle who could do that. And then, you know, Tom Johnson, Sheldon Richardson. Uh, there was a game in 2018 where Sheldon Richardson basically won it by himself, completely dominating the Packers offensive line. They just do not have that at this point. I'm also curious about your opinion on the Packers' weapons because – Um, You know, they didn't look as bad to me outside of the Valdez-Scantling drop, uh, two of them, but one was particularly horrific. But aside from that, uh, Lazard played pretty well, and they have some other guys kind of mixing in that I was really not super familiar with, like Tyler Irvin, who I didn't really know a whole lot about. They got him the ball a couple of times. Jay Sternberger was back. We made a big deal out of them not drafting any wide receivers. Um, again, is it Vikings just playing poorly, or are their weapons maybe better than we expect? 
Yeah, I think there was times where, you know, Aaron Rodgers made them look better than they were. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, Devontae Adams, he's no doubt a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Alan Lazard, he was one, you know, people kind of pegged him as a breakout type of guy just because, you know, in the past, he did flash some very good reps against single coverage, did separate on a, on a pretty impressive rate on those. I wasn't really sold on that. I still need to see more from Lazard. And, you know, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, you know, it's just kind of – I think he's kind of a, the definition of, you know, Aaron Rodgers can elevate the play of those around him. Yeah. You know, if you give him, you know, most of the other quarterbacks in the league, you're going to see that he's probably not in the, you know, top half of the league's wide receivers. So, you know, at the end of the day, if he had – if Aaron Rodgers did have another wide receiver there, whether, you know, whoever was on the board, like maybe a T. Higgins, you know, right there instead of Jordan Love, I think this team would – I would be – I think this team would be much more dangerous than it actually is right now. And just because you're going to have to worry about, you know, two guys there with Devontae Adams. So I think, you know, I'm not really sold on Alan Lazard yet, but I think he is probably the only one that I think can, you know, kind of break out and develop into a good wide receiver. The fullback slash tight end moved all over the place, which I thought was interesting. In the backfield, there there was one play where they ran uh, kind of a reverse, and he blocked two people at the same time because one of the guys fell over the other guy. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see if somebody kind of emerges there. The uh, Tyler Irvin running little screens and things like that is is an interesting wrinkle. They looked better as a group to me than they did last year where I really felt like it was Devontae Adams only. But then again, Adams had to catch, what, 14 passes or something against the Vikings. So let me ask you about some other things that you wrote about um, that affect the Vikings in some way or another. One of them is Jalen Johnson. Uh, people will remember that we talked a lot about him, and every mock drafter was mocking Jalen Johnson to the Minnesota Vikings. He had a good day for the Bears, and the Bears came away with a win, obviously, against the Detroit Lions, thanks to DeAndre Swift dropping a ball right at his face at the goal line. But the fact that Trubisky came back in that game, Jalen Johnson played well, making the Bears defense look good. I think we've really written off the Bears for the most part, but they're always a team that has given the Vikings some problems. So so what did you take away from them as a defense if Jalen Johnson is going to be good? Yeah, and you know, Jalen Johnson, he was always a guy that we were far higher on than most people. I mean, we had him 24th on our big board, and somehow he slipped all the way to Chicago at the 50th overall pick. And we, that was one of the biggest steals of the draft in our eyes, just because that is a valuable position, and they got incredible value for him. You know, I think the only concerning thing is the depth behind him and Kyle Fuller. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if you if those two are healthy, that is a very good secondary, especially with Eddie Jackson. I mean, when you're looking at Jalen Johnson's coverage grade at outside cornerback, it was one of the 10 best of the week. And, you know, I think he can, you know, he's a very instinctive player. He's physical. I mean, he was a playmaker at Utah, routinely forced high coverage. I think I think he will end up a very good cornerback for the Bears. I think the only concern there, like I said, is the depth. But, I mean, if those guys stay healthy, it's, I mean, it's going to be a top 10. I think it already is a top 10 defense. And if they stay healthy, I think they have a chance to, you know, kind of maybe flirt with that top five status even. So it's going to really kind of hinge on, you know, Trubisky, again, as always, and, you know, who knows with Allen Robinson now deleting all, all that Chicago stuff off his Instagram, you know, I, I hope he doesn't leave there because that offense, you know, it's already bad as is, and I think even though Mitchell Trubisky did have a couple great throws, he still had one of the highest negatively graded throw rates of the weekend, and so I, it was kind of, um, it got me a little vibes from uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. 
you know, from a couple of years ago. I think it was like week four or something like that when they the when they uh, won the division and he busted off and had one of the highest PFF grades, somewhere around 94, if I recall. I mean, it was kind of some of those throws, but at the end of the day, I, I just don't think it's there for him. And so I think, you know, it, because of that offense, I think the Vikings will have a chance there, but that defense is going to be tough. Want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their official collaboration with Bud Grant. Yes, Bud Grant. You can now get your official Bud Grant shirt and Man Cave art print. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out, and we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. We'll get back to the conversation in just a second, but first, this football season will be very different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Yeah, it was a little weird outside U.S. Bank Stadium not to see people tailgating, but that means you've got plenty of opportunities to watch the game from home and enjoy a crazy, because you know it will be crazy, Viking season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. This passionate fan group are the ones who are the real generational talents that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi is not made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. I saw the Internet's favorite scout, Greg Gabriel, saying that he showed the haters Trubisky. Yeah, showed him. Really showed him in beating the Lions because the Lions dropped a pass in the end zone to win the game. And also, uh, I guess their team qualifies as haters, too, because they tried to replace him in the offseason. It's always one of my favorite things where, you know, it's like, oh, you, you media, you were wrong about this. Like, wait. Didn't you guys sign another quarterback, trade for another quarterback? Uh, Anyway, so, of course, no one's buying Trubisky until he shows in a much larger sample, which he probably won't. But the Vikings are going to be more concerned about that defense because that's always been the thing that gives them the trouble against Chicago. Last year, they were beaten largely by Chase Daniel, who played all but two snaps uh, after Trubisky got hurt in that week four game, and the Vikings could not move the ball against the Bears' defense. They had the same problems in 2018 when they lost two games to Chicago, and if it's going to look similarly good, that could be an issue for the Vikings. I uh, want to talk to you about uh, Tom Brady's performance because um, you, you wrote that he's not washed, that he can still play, and he's still Tom Brady. Uh, I only was in and out of that game because I was working on my postgame stuff for the Vikings. So inform me on how Tom Brady looked for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, there was no doubt a few throws that you kind of just shook your head and you're like, you know, that was not a good throw. But at the end of the day, you know, the biggest criticism with Tom Brady last year and, you know, people saying, you know, he's finally hit the decline, Father Time's caught up, is that he could not throw the ball downfield. He never had those special big-time throws that we were accustomed to seeing, you know, a few years ago. But I think what we saw this past weekend is that you, you have to attribute a lot of that to the poor supporting cast he had, he had last year. I mean, that was by far the worst set of receivers he's had in his NFL career. And now he has perhaps even the best. I think you could maybe say 2007, back with Randy Moss and Wes Welker, maybe that might have been the best. But I think this one has the potential to be even better. And they kind of showed that because at the end of the day, he did have six big-time throws. A uh, few of them drew DPIs which helped him out in the long run. But he showed he has the touch still. He's accurate with the ball downfield. And of the two, I mean, 
the Jordanus Jenkins pick six. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. That was the worst throw of the week by any quarterback. That was <laughs> that was not good. But the other interception, I mean, even Bruce Arians came out and said that was a miscommunication. That was actually on Mike Evans. He should have done this because of the coverage. So Brady threw it where Mike Evans should have been. So I think when you kind of consider all of that and, you know, you see that second interception, that was a miscommunication. And then the fumble, you know, by the special teams unit, if you take out those two plays, I mean, this is a game again. So I think he made all the special throws. I think once you get these guys acclimated all together, you know, have a few reps, just because at the end of the day, they're just living off of, you know, a couple months, you know, training camp here, you know, so I think we're going to see, you know, especially in the weeks to come next week, they get the Panthers, if I'm correct. And, you know, that's a bad Panthers team. So I think they're going to put up numbers there. Yeah, poor Teddy. I mean, you get ahead late in the game against the Raiders and your defense still can't hold them. But on the Brady point, I will believe that he's washed when he's in a booth. That That's when. When he's uh, upstairs next to Jim Nance or somebody or whoever uh, his partner will be, uh, I don't know, a gumble. Like that, that's when I'll believe that Tom Brady is done. And having worked in Buffalo, I can remember a time where Brady had a tough opening week, I think, against Kansas City. And everyone said, it's finally over. He's 38 now. It's done. He's done. He can't do it anymore. And then, you know, they went and won the Super Bowl. And uh, so that I was – what I saw of that game, I guess I was thinking a little bit of grain of salt. I mean, you have to play one of the best teams in the NFL to start the season. You haven't played with these guys guys I don't care if they held uh, illegal practices in parks in Florida or whatever in the offseason with Brady and his receivers that's just not the same as playing real football and, and making real reads but by the same token though the Saints I mean 14 and 2 13 and 3 like they look like a totally refined and great team and Breeze again not washed yeah, exactly. And I think this is going to be one of the most interesting divisions just because they also have Atlanta in there too. And I don't think Atlanta is winning the division at all, but I think they can give, you know, New Orleans or Tampa Bay the run for their money on their best day. There's no doubt about that. Carolina's definitely out of the picture. I can't see them winning a game against any of those teams, but yeah, this is going to be an interesting year just to see how it all shakes out. Just because, you know, I'm, I still think Tampa Bay is the better team than uh, New Orleans, especially with the, the new and improved defense. And I, like I said, if you, these, these guys get acclimated, I think we're going to see that they are a better team. And I think, you know, I, I was really impressed with the New Orleans Saints. I was kind of doubting Drew Brees just a little bit, just because towards the end of last year, he had one of his worst stretches of plays over the final three games. And, you know, that, that is a small sample. But we, were, we have never seen Drew Brees, you know, really have three bad games in a row. And he did. And so I was kind of worried about, you know, is it is that the, the cue? You know, is that kind of cut, catching up to him? And some of the throws he tried to make downfield were kind of ugly to watch. You know, you can definitely see, you know, the strength just is not there. So I think, you know, this is – it's still a very good team, though, especially when you have Michael Thomas, of course, and Emmanuel Sanders there and Abel Kamara. I mean, a lot of great weapons that can help you out there. So, yeah, this is – it's definitely – I would say the NFC South and the NFC West are probably the two most interesting divisions in football. And Tampa Bay and, and New Orleans are a long way from playing the Vikings, and a lot can change. But I think that they're worth watching if the Vikings are in a race for a final playoff spot or something like that, that you're going to have to face Brady and Breeze late in the season. Um, so keeping an eye on them. And plus, it's just fun to keep an eye on Brady and Breeze. We've only got so many more years of this. Um, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, watching them the other night, so they were my pick to go to the Super Bowl and play the Ravens. 
And the, the other night, of course, if they don't get the offensive pass interference call, which, hey, great job by James Harden, Jalen Ramsey, for throwing his head back and, and drawing that uh, because he got burned on that play. But the Cowboys were not as strong as I expected them to look right off the bat. And I, uh, you, you connected that to their offensive line, which over the last few years has been a staple of their excellence. But without Leo Collins, they did not look very good at all. Uh, but I also wanted to ask how much of that was Aaron Donald game wrecking? Oh, 100% it was Aaron Donald game wrecking. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think this offensive line performs like this next week at all whatsoever, just because, I mean, he, he's a near, I mean, impossible force to stop. I mean, Zach Martin had, you know, one of his worst games of his career. And then Terrence Steele, too, at tackle. I'm still not sure about him there. But at the end of the day, Dak Prescott was under pressure a lot. Now, granted, he did perform fairly well under pressure, but at the end of the day, you have a clean pocket. You're going to make better throws. You're going to have better plays to make, and that's kind of what killed him there. And so I think I think they're still – I mean, I was right there with you. I think they were right there with the Buccaneers for my Super Bowl pick. I think even Dak Prescott could win the MVP. I think the supporting cast and the play calling is there. So I think, yeah, it was definitely – to start out the game, it was a little rough to see, but I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, give him, give him some time with Mike McCarthy – establishing stuff and hopefully not face Aaron Donald again and have that game record type of play just because that, I mean, that really killed the, the uh, interior of the offensive line. Yeah. I I didn't feel a reason to uh, completely change my pick based on a a close week one game and week one results are always kind of wonky. It just felt like, wow, they are getting to Dak Prescott a lot here. And that would be the one thing that could negate all of those great weapons that he has. I I liked how CD lamb looked, but also them losing. I know that this is like the deepest in the weeds, but they're losing their tight end. Blake Jarwin is kind of a big deal. I, I thought that he could be a nice outlet for them and somebody that you know is not getting talked about nationally at all but you know some of these injuries we saw some ACLs and things like that and I just thought you take a weapon away I think if you want to get maximum DAC that you have to have all those weapons operating at a very high level yeah there's no doubt about that I mean you have to have Amari Cooper CeeDee Lamb Michael Gallup on the field like Jarwin he was a breakout candidate to some and that definitely does hurt because I mean he wasn't a liability out there it's not like he was a bad player on the field. So when you lose some value there, that's going to hurt them at the end of the day. But I think, you know, CeeDee Lamb, I, I'm excited to see them, you know, really give him some more targets down the road there. And I, yeah, I remember back to that play under pressure Dak Prescott made. That was one of the good plays under pressure he made. You know, he connected with CeeDee Lamb for a big game early on. Uh, I think it was 30 or so yards or something like that. I, I can't remember. But yeah, I think these, these weapons have to be on point. There's no doubt about that. And I thought the Rams defense, I thought altogether, they played a really good game. And, you know, they really contained, trying to contain that wide receiver unit. And, you know, that's for the Dallas defense. It looked kind of ugly. You know, I had higher hopes, I would say for sure. There's no doubt about that. All right. Before we wrap up here, Anthony, I want to play a game with you. I'm going to name teams and I want you to tell me whether they are definitely better than the Vikings close or on par with the Vikings or definitely worse than the Vikings. Okay. And again, I mean, it's always fun after week one because there's weird results, especially weird this year with no preseason or anything. Uh, But yet we get to react to them as if they mean everything. So um, let's, let's start out with the Arizona Cardinals Uh, because of their win against the 49ers. Are they definitely better than the Vikings on par with the Vikings or definitely worse still than the Vikings? Um, I, I mean, 
I, I don't want to say definitely better, but I, I do think they are better than the Vikings because of the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, they got one of the best possession receivers in the NFL, and you saw that there, you know, with Kyler Murray. And I think, you know, we didn't really get to see Kyler Murray air it out. You know, like that was the backbone of his success last year as a rookie was his deep ball. I mean, he had some beautiful, beautiful over-the-shoulder throws he routinely made last year. And so I think when they can actually, you know, they have new Hopkins out there and actually, you know, push the ball downfield, I think we're going to see an even better Arizona Cardinals team. So I would say they're better. Maybe not definitely, but I think they're better. I think watching Kyler Murray uh, at the end of last year and then seeing the way that he could just completely change the game when he takes off. There's one play that I saw on the internet where he t- he takes off and he's just, he looks like a speedy running back with, with his acceleration. There, are, I can't think of, I mean, other than like Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson and Randall Cunningham, that uh, the number of guys who can accelerate the way that, uh, Kyler Murray can I think that that's kind of just a game changer that would make them a little different at that position than the Vikings obviously although Kirk did run a couple of times for a handful of yards uh the Los Angeles Rams better the same or worse than the Vikings I think they're better and you know I think a lot of people I I really I kind of realized this when I was going through um our PFF projections you know all of our analysts we made our predictions and everything and I think myself and only two other people had the Rams making the postseason. And I found that very surprising. You know, they did have a bad year last year. There's no doubt about that. But you got to remember, you got to go back the year before. That was one of the best offenses in the NFL. I'm not, you know, picking against Sean McVay, you know, there for that. You know, Jared Goff, he can, he, he definitely has to have his hand held, but he can make the throws. I mean, we saw that, you know, against the Cowboys too. And that defense, like I mentioned, with Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, Darius Williams, I mean, and Jordan Fuller, the rookie really emerged there and of course Aaron Donald I mean he can he really helps you out there you know across the board so I would I would say they are better as well get back to the conversation just a second but even though sports took a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people Fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts at all. Plus, Indeed provides you with powerful tools to make your search even easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, and with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates that you will see fast. Try Indeed with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anytime available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. Okay, I didn't see any of this game. I only saw viral videos of fans losing their bleep. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. What the hell happened there? I mean, I was looking early on at some of the scores just during a break during the Vikings game and went like, oh, yeah, well, okay, the Eagles are beating Washington. That's about what should happen. And then what in the heck? So are the Vikings better than the Eagles? 
I, I think the Vikings are better than the Eagles. You know, I, I didn't, I wasn't too high on the Eagles just because Carson Wentz, you know, he's always been kind of, he's been in the stable areas. He's been kind of average to below average, but he's always kind of had these, you know, marquee games, you know, because of his performances under duress, creating plays off structure. That's not really sustainable. And when you're looking at, you know, I mentioned the scripted plays earlier. This one was crazy to me. The Eagles on their scripted plays, they were the most efficient offense. But after those first 15 plays, they were by far the least efficient mm-hmm. offense. I mean, Carson Wentz had multiple bad decisions with the football. I, I just, I can't really see it too. I'm not sold on, you know, with any of the skill positions either. I mean, outside of tight end, of course, but at the wide receiver position, it's, I mean, it's a little brutal still. I think they're still trying to figure th- some things out. I think Jalen Rager, you know, will develop into a good wide receiver. I'm still hoping for JJ Ortega Whiteside to hopefully break out because that guy was a monster at Stanford. Really liked him there. But I, I do think Minnesota is better than Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree. And um, not really upgrading at wide receiver. And their offensive line was the reason that they won a lot. And I think one of the major reasons that Nick Foles had one of the craziest playoff runs of all time, uh, having been there in, in Philadelphia in 2017, I mean, the, the Vikings couldn't pressure Nick Foles at all because of that offensive line. And it's deteriorated since then, not having Brooks uh, up there is a big deal. Having Jason Peters come back and then move positions is a big deal. So, yeah, they're in uh, pretty tough there with their offensive line. Uh, how about for just before we wrap up here, just the Bears and Lions and Packers, who is definitely better, the same, definitely worse after one week. So this is definitive and you have to live with this for the rest of your life. I think they're all the same. You know, if you said <laughs> if if you said to me, I like it. If either of these teams, if you told me the Vikings, the Bears, or the Lions, or the Packers won the division, I would probably believe you. I I could see any of these four teams doing it. You know, they're just. I think it's you know it's not a great you know division full of elite play, but I think one of these teams can kind of piece together some luck, like Green Bay Packers did last year. And so I'm. I mean, for now, I'm saying the same until I kind of see Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think he is like I said, better than a lot of people are saying. But I want to see him do it kind of against a little bit better defense with the cornerback unit. So I want to, I want to see him go up against a team maybe like the Bears, you know, and see how he fares there. I think that would be a good matchup. But, yeah, I think right now I would probably put them all on the same level. I think that you have the exact right answer. And until the Lions just move the franchise and change their team name, I'm just never going to buy it. I mean, it, it was just so perfectly Lions. It reminded me of every loss that they had at the beginning of last year. Stafford plays fine, but they blow a lead. They have an opportunity to win. They can't finish it off. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, it really, like, if you're talking cursed franchises, they're at the top of the list. I mean, that, that, I don't know. I mean, they could turn it around pretty quickly. They've got the talent to do it, but it was just so appropriate to have a guy drop a ball in the end zone to lose week one that will absolutely cost the Lions down the road. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And I think, you know, when you're looking at the, what Matthew Stafford did last year when he was healthy in that first nine-week sample, I mean, he played at an MVP level, in my opinion. You know, that was the top five offense in EPA for play with Matthew Stafford. So I think I, they, they have the potential to do it. It's just, you know, like you said, it was just Lions fashion. You know, it's just kind of getting it out of there. Yep, it's amazing. Anthony Tresh, uh, you do awesome work. If you're a college football fan, you especially want to follow him at PFF underscore Anthony. But I am very thrilled that you are writing NFL as well. Um, I, and I'm happy for you that you have some college football, Anthony, because if you had none, I don't know what you'd do with yourself. But uh, follow him at PFF underscore Anthony, a great follow on Twitter, and uh, love your work on PFF. And it's uh, great to catch up with you again, man. 
yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate all the kind words. And yeah, I mean, I, I would miss my UAB football. That's for sure. That it's been me through really few weeks. Can you believe these matchups? Coastal Carolina, I'm watching it at Kansas. I'm like, okay, it's football. It's definitely football. I, real quick, though, do we have, like, good games coming up at some point? Because in the first couple of weeks here, it's been like, where are the good matchups? Do they exist? Are those going to happen? Yeah, they will down the road. This week, though, it's going to be pretty pretty bad. Uh, Miami-Louisville, that's a, that's a very good game. That's no. going to be a good one. No, sorry. No? No. I, uh, I just, that's King, not selling me. Sorry. I, I, I think it'll be a good one, but I think, but then again, I'm, I'm a big diehard college football fan. Right, so that's, right, that, right. That's why I like it. Like, I got excited for UAB-Miami last week, like <laughs> I said, so... I mean, that explains my opinion on it. Yeah, I am the absolute definition of the casual college person who's preparing for tomorrow, you know, the next game for the Vikings and just sort of peeking up at the TV and then watching the late game. So, well, anyway, follow him on Twitter, follow his college football work. I'm sure a lot of listeners know more about college football than I do. So, uh, all right, thanks again, man. Take care. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible change to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championships, all. All day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.